Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hi, this is Charles Kelly. Uh, many of you know from my uh, podcasts and blogs that I, I, I am a, a buy-to-let investor. I've been investing in property perhaps since about the, the 1980s, so quite a while. And, you know, like most people, you always feel that, you know, you can have a choice over what type of tenants you want to take. You know, do you want tenants who are on benefits or do you do you want to say, well, I don't want tenants on benefits? And I think most landlords would feel that they could say, um, I, I I would prefer no no benefit tenants, or you can say uh, no DSS uh, on ads. You can tick whether you you accept DSS ads or, or tenants or not, like on spare room, for instance. Um, but now a, a district court judge, a county court judge, has ruled that uh, a blanket ban on uh, DSS tenants is unru- un- has been ruled unlawful. In other words, DSS is another word for saying somebody who's on benefits um, or uh, on universal credit, as it's called now. DSS, I think, stands for the Department of Social Security. So it's, it was it was like a nickname for benefit tenants. But it's somebody who's on housing benefit, which has now been replaced by universal credit. And you may start asking, well, is it still worth investing in in buy-to-let property? We've been hit by higher taxes, the removal of tax relief, uh, more legislation, more local authorities introducing licensing across all all buy-to-let properties, uh, different rules coming in for um, th- things like HMOs, and just just generally more rate tax. So you might ask, is it still worth it investing in buy-to-let property? Now I'll just go back, come back to that in a second. But the ju- judges rule basically that having a blanket ban on renting properties to people on housing benefits are unlawful and discriminatory. We also have this word discriminatory or rights and that sort of thing, don't we? And it's been described as a momentous court ruling uh, by by organisations like Shelter. They found that a, a single mother of two had experienced indirect discrimination when a letting agent refused to rent to her. Uh, so, so I guess this is against a letting agent who, who said no DSS, because um, many letting agents don't want to deal with with DSS uh, benefit tenants. It, it is it can be a lot more hassle dealing with claims. Uh, deposits and that sort of thing and it, it can be can be more difficult and uh that they've just said it's it's discriminatory um and she, she ended up homeless with her two children they make it sound like it's the landlord's fault that she ended up homeless she ended up homeless for, for other reasons i mean where's her partner for instance where, where's the partner involved in this I mean, she's obviously ended up homeless for a reason and now this housing charity took out an action on her behalf uh, a housing charity called Shelter. Why didn't they ho- home house her? Shelter. Um, now, this judge said that a blanket ban are, are against the equality laws. Uh, and, and the name of this judge is Judge Victoria Mark. Heard that uh, it, this is in York County Court in July. Ruled that, and I'll read this out. Uh, rejecting tenancy applications because the applicant is in receipt of housing benefits was unlawfully discriminate, discriminating 
on the grounds of sex and disability. I don't know how sex and disability comes into this. And contrary, contrary to the Equality Act 2010, she said. So, OK, that's the, the ruling. Now, people obviously deserve uh, to, to a place to live. But, you know, does it mean people have got the right to, 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 to live? Does it mean that, you know, you, you've just because you're in this country, you have a right to this and a right to that? Well, I, I don't think so. I, I think... You know, we have we have certain rights, you know, to to liberty, to, uh, you know, to, to our safety and, and to, you know, to, to be in this country alone is, is actually, uh, I would say, a privilege rather than a right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm privileged to be to be born in the country. So but as, as we're saying, you know, I've got a right or, you know. I've got a right to a job. I've got a right to this, or I've got a right to that. Well, I, I've never felt that way. I've always felt that I, I've got my freedom and I've got free education. I've got free healthcare uh, and I, I, I've got a right to, to, and the freedom to go out and, and work and earn money and, and, and do what I can to, to, for my family or to improve society or, or just to improve myself. And, and that, that's what I try and do. But more and more people seem to feel that they, you know that they, they they have a right and and that the world owes them a living and that's the kind of rhetoric we we hear all the time here um so you know i i think having been deserving to have somewhere to live is one thing but having a right to say well i've got a right to 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 rent your property even though i'm i'm on benefits um uh, i i think you know landlords also need to be able to choose who to whom they want to to take on as a tenant now I, i'm not saying i don't uh rent to people on benefits i've had both and i, I at, at the moment i've got a mixture um but you know i've had mixed results i've had bad uh benefit tenants i've had bad private tenants uh but but definitely benefit tenants are uh, more of a challenge uh and it can be a very steep learning curve for, for landlords i mean for instance you could have a claim that's ticking over and and the, the the council are paying this person's rent and then it can just suddenly stop uh the council can dispute their claim councils can claw back money from landlords and accuse the landlord of defrauding them uh just because they've been paying out the, this rent and then it turns out that the the tenant uh, was not entitled to those benefits and that they accuse the landlord of defrauding and they can claw back money i've had cases where um you know, it, the rent's been ticking over very nicely and then the couple split up uh, and you hear, like, my boyfriend hit me, he's in jail, uh, they've stopped my claim uh, and, and they just sit there and say, well, I, I haven't got my claim stopped. And then, then what are you going to do about it? You know, then you have to go through the, the either, you know, getting it sorted out for them or, or evicting them, which is another problem. And then, then the council, well, you've, you've made them homeless, you know. Uh, what, can, what can a private landlord do? There's got to be some... Uh, reasonableness here and, and and it's ridiculous to say well you have to take those tenants because a lot of landlords might say well I, I don't want that that kind of hassle I just want a, a private tenant who, who can just go in and, and pay me and pay pay the deposit up front and pay the rent up front and, and that's it um, now th there's also another issue and that the rates paid to landlords uh, and these are called the uh, LHA rates uh, local authority housing rates are just simply not competitive in some areas. Uh, for instance, around the London area, for instance, they're not even equivalent to the open market rate. 
Uh, so, so why should a landlord be forced to take somebody? Um, for instance, if if you've got a house uh, in this area and you and you could rent it out for sixteen hundred pounds a month, well, the LHA rate might only be fourteen hundred and fifty. Uh, so, so the landlord said, so "Why should I, I, I suffer that? Why, why can't you pay the going rate?" And many landlords have to then collect a top-up payment from from the tenant, which is is another issue. Um, so that that's another thing. And and then, you know, the the councils themselves discriminate against people because they say if you're under thirty-five, you'll get a much lower rate. I think it's, it's nearly half the rate that you can get if you're over thirty-five. Well, that's discriminatory, isn't it? That's age discrimination. Uh, I, I don't know how they get away with it. Um, now, and also, there's another issue that the private sector, again, has been asked to pick up the pieces for the failures of successive governments. I'm not just about Labour, Conservatives, I'm, I'm talking about governments since the 1970s who have failed to build enough uh, social housing. Now, I, I go back a few years uh, and I, I remember the last sort of major council estates I saw being built were in the 1970s. And and that was in London when I when I lived in North London. I remember seeing an estate going up in in Kilburn actually. And since then I, I didn't see any major. I saw some places being knocked down and and maybe build more. You know, a, another estate on on an existing old site that had to be knocked down. But usually it ends up in less uh, less flats and less accommodation. But I haven't seen any major building program for for social housing since the nineteen seventies. And you know. Uh, the, I think it was the Cameron government said they, that they needed to build seven new towns in the southeast of England. Seven. How many new towns have actually been built? Well, as far as I can see, maybe one, Ibsfleet or somewhere like that. Nobody probably knows where it is. It's it's somewhere on the way to the Channel Tunnel. Um, but th- there hasn't been this building program. And can you tell me when the last major town was built? Um, or which which was the last major town built around proper infrastructure where they had a rail link and and they built infrastructure around it. They built uh, proper infrastructure and, and jobs program. They had a jobs program in mind so that people in that, that town, large town, would be able to live and work there without having to travel or commute anywhere. Can you tell me what that town was? I'll tell you what it is. This is, now correct me if I'm wrong here, Milton Keynes. Now, Milton Keynes has been very, very successful as a population, I think, of over 200,000 now. It's on a rail link going uh, north from, from Euston and it goes down south to Euston and north up to the northwest. Uh, it's on the M1. Um, it, it's on the A41. It's it's a proper place in the, in the central place where it benefits from a great location. I think Amazon are there and all sorts of companies are there. Uh, it's got a university there, the Open University and, and other colleges. And it, it's a really successful place. But that was built. I, I know it was planned along with other major new towns uh, was planned in the 1960s. So this is, you know, you're, you're going back like 60, 70 years here uh, as to when these new towns were planned. And since then, we've had virtually nothing. We've had a few garden villages here and there. And all we seem to do is build piecemeal on existing conurbations like we say right you've got a town here we're going to build another bit on this section where there were fields and and grass and we're going to build a bit here and a bit there and all they're doing is packing more cars onto the road uh, because there are no there's no transport links with many of these places and buses have have become sort of they're not used anymore so they get they gradually get phased out so it's just putting more cars on the road and then they say well there's too many cars on the road we're going to start taxing you we're going to start uh, bringing in congestion charges and this sort of thing and 
Uh, so it, it just gets worse and worse. We need proper new towns. We need proper new cities, actually. And, and there's loads of spaces available. I mean, you go to Bedfordshire, there's just empty space everywhere. You can easily build places in Bedfordshire on an existing rail line. I was I was worked, I, I uh, was a councillor in a, in a in a in a council as a planning uh, a committee member, and I used to say, why can't we build these things on on a rail link? So if you've got two stations in between you, each other, so you've got St Albans and Luton and there's a gap in between, why can't you build a place around that on that line? So you don't even have to build a new line. And they said, well, it, it's very expensive. It, it costs about 10 million. We, we can't possibly afford that sort of money. Um, I, I don't know why it costs 10 million to put a, a couple of platforms of concrete and, and a few huts and, 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 and a car park. I don't know how that's cost 10 million, but that, that's what they said. Also, the other thing they said is, well, if if, pe- if we give people council houses, then, um, yeah, they might buy them in the future. I said, well, so what if they buy it? What's the difference about you still got somebody in a house? You still got somebody housed and they're not stuck in a in a hotel bed and breakfast on, on temporary accommodation. You still put them in a the house. What does it matter if they buy them? And even if they buy them, most people couldn't even buy them anyway, because if, if you're a, a, a council tenant, you know, how can you in the in the London and the South East buy a house that's worth five hundred thousand? They said, Well you get a discount. I said, but not they didn't even know what the discount was. I said the discount wouldn't be enough to, to help them to afford to buy the house. If they could afford to buy that house, they shouldn't be in council accommodation. Now councils can actually borrow money at very low rates. I think two, three percent. They can borrow long term at these rates and, and they could build more social housing, proper social housing, not you know, shared accommodation that's given away by a private developer. They could build proper social housing and, and they could really do something to, to change the country and solve the housing crisis. So I, I think they, they've got to really get their act together and do that and not worry if people are going to buy it in the future. So what? Let them bloody buy it. You know, then you build some more. You can borrow this money at very low rates. The rent would easily cover the the, the repayments on, on the loans. You know, I just cannot understand why they, they just don't do it. And it's not just one council there's lots and lots of councils just not building enough so what what i would say here is on this this ruling um i I, i'm not even sure that a ruling by a district judge in a county court is binding in law across across the board but if it is if it is binding it's binding it's just going to be more red tape and costs and legislation for landlords many of whom feel they're already swimming against the tide don't forget we've lost tax relief on, on mortgage interest we've lost uh, other other reliefs. We're all paying more tax now than we were, uh, thanks to to George Osborne. You know George Six Jobs Osborne, who's brought the, these rules in. Uh, while well, he's got his money offshore, apparently. Um, so we we feel like we're swimming against the tide. So is it worth investing in buy to let? Well, yes and no. It, it can be profitable if done professionally in the right areas and you've got the right sort of tenants. However, there are still many other opportunities in property. Uh, to, to make money in property without necessarily doing buy to let. There's lots of different ways uh, without having to have mortgages and large deposits. There's lots of strategies. So if you're interested in that, just drop me a line. And there's lots of courses that you can do where you can make money in property without even having your own money and without having large deposits. There's many, many strategies. Uh, so and, and have a look at my website, moneytipsdaily.com. And if you're interested in any courses and everything, just drop, just drop me a line at charles at charleskelly.net. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. 
The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions.